what's up guys I just want to do a really quick disclaimer at the beginning of this video um, one it was a great conversation two totally my fault I uh, the recording software that I was using um, I didn't really have the settings quite right so the way it was recording my screen the way it was recording the video the visuals and everything the audio came out great but the um, the video came out kind of choppy and messed up so all you're gonna see in this video is I'm just gonna put up our logo that way it'll just be a listen I mean like I said it was kind of choppy I didn't have the settings right and then actually we talked for like two and a half hours and uh, it only got like an hour and a half of it or a little less and it was again it was just a software malfunction probably could have been prevented but you know, can't cry over spilled milk. You know, it's okay. It's my. It was my fault. It could be prevented, but we'll just roll with it for next time. We'll make the next one even better. Um, just really quick, I want to apologize to the fans, listeners, watchers. I want to apologize to Peyton. Uh, definitely want to apologize to our friends, Micah and Brandon. Uh, Micah is a long, uh, long life friend with me and Peyton, and his, and his friend Brandon that they met at school. Really cool guy. Really respectful, really smart, um, awesome conversation. We had a great time. Um, like I said, I just hate that I didn't capture all of it, but it's okay. I mean, like I said, we're definitely planning on doing a part two. We'll just recap what was lost in this part one and on part two, so that way, you know, we can kind of clear the air and get it rolling, you know, how we're supposed to. <laughs> so. Uh, thank you guys uh, so much. Uh, thank you for your patience. Thank you for your understanding. And I hope you enjoy awesome conversation. SK. Micah. What? Yo. Can you hear me? Yes. Well? Yes. Hi. Okay. We did Can it. Can you hear me well? Yes, sir. And Brandon, Brandon speak. Hey, guys. What's up, man? Hey, Brandon. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I've heard a lot about you. Oh, thanks. I'm trying to steal Micah as a roommate, just so you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm a pretty terrible person, so. Yeah, I did tell him you were my roommate, my unofficial roommate. That's how I referred to him. Yeah. Because he wasn't on paper. I just kind of made it so. He just kind of kept showing up. Everyone moved to Winston. You have your sheets. They're both there. Cool. No, it's wrong. Okay, you guys ready? Watch. Yeah, one second. Oh, he says one second. The Death Star blows up. Spoiler. Not just the first one, but also the second one. All right, and not ready. just the second one. They're ready. You guys ready? Yeah. Okay. So, I'm going to go ahead and do the introduction since how it is going to go up on our podcast uh, channel. So, this is our uh, theoretically podcast uh, coming back to you with another fun, different episode. Um, we are talking with one of our longtime friends named Micah. Say hey, Micah. Hey. This is Micah. How are you? Everyone listening? All thousand of you? That's right. Yeah. And then his friend that, uh, well, you guys met in college, right? No, no. He just, I just met him at a Bible study. Oh, okay. Cool. 
All right, so his name is Brandon. Brandon, introduce, introduce yourself. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. So we are here to have a good, I think it's going to be good, friendly uh, discussion on uh, opposing opinions and but a like good topic I think that's gonna be I just think it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be a fun um topic subject for us and me and Micah have talked about this a lot and and I know and, Peyton too. and you and Peyton have as well and uh me and Peyton have talked about it a lot. So um so basically we're going to be talking about from what I understand, please correct me if I'm wrong, Micah, but economic systems, how me and Peyton um, like the idea and the uh, process of capitalism, and uh, Micah and, uh, from what I understand, Brandon, are a little more against the capitalism, capitalist system, and how it works, so... Uh, <laughs> so we were just going to kind of go back and forth, you know, not really argue. I don't really want it to be like an argument where you get like heated, but like, you know, mad at each other, but like just a good opposing opinions, um, you know, and, uh, just kind of like, you know, make our stance of why we believe what we believe, why they believe what they believe and, you know, so on and so forth, whatever. And so, um, you know, I do want to go ahead and just clear myself i'm not an expert in this in any way i mean of course i've done my research and i've listened and done things but i'm no professor in economics so <laughs> uh but anyway i just want to clear that for myself anyway but like i said i think that uh you know this is going to be fun this is going to be a good time so um without further ado uh, now sorry i didn't mean to interrupt no go ahead this is, this, this is Stu, right yes Stu, Stu, okay cool. hey um so good good did uh did you want like maybe a quick opening kind of a opening statement from uh, myself or my gut just as far as like yeah. maybe what we're what we're essentially trying to defend as far as like um uh the I guess our, our talking points so to speak yeah just absolutely kind of like a, brief, a brief overview of that yeah do whatever you'd like Brandon <laughs> okay. okay yeah absolutely um, the floor is yours go ahead no that's that's, that's fine um so um. Micah, feel free to uh, interrupt me if um, you have anything to add or anything else. But do I know? Get the door. So okay. See our board. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, guys. No. Oh shit. Well said. You're good. Right out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I knew that was gonna happen. So we had a problem with the technology. Are we? Can everyone hear me? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, so, uh, yeah, so like you were saying earlier, Stu, we're, um, I had to define it politically, probably anti-capitalist would be the most accurate description. Uh, essentially, we, we want to defend a handful of philosophical uh, talking points um, that kind of... Uh, Kind of how we uh, frame uh, our our beliefs, essentially, um, and and they revolve around about you know, a few basic uh, philosophical talking points, such as um, we think that within a capitalist system, there are a myriad of different factors that influence, say, the exploitation of, 
of working class people. Um, we think that capitalism tends to produce uh, overall uh, very skewed and um, uh, very skewed societies, uh, just from a socio from a socioeconomic standpoint in general. Um, uh, and, it, and it leads to, you know, I guess from a, a philosophical perspective, it it, it pushes a, uh, a the idea of I guess cyclical consumption. Um, without really engaging any sort of like break uh, with that idea. So, you know, um, the, the, the fact that I guess capitalism uh, must constantly consume resources uh, makes it a very, I think, um, incompatible with, I guess, human, human well-being and, and ecological, environmental uh, well-being. Um, and unfortunately, if, if that if that stops, if, you know, uh, if, if supply is meeting demand and you get your inevitable market booms, um, your market busts, um, and we think that, I guess, I guess, you know, to sum, to sum that up, really, we just believe in a, a, we think that the system is intrinsically flawed, just Philosophically and both empirically, with with um, with certain socioeconomic outcomes, um, which can be felt around the world, really, because capitalism is 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 the main mode of uh, economics right. for today. So, I, I think that's. Would, would you have anything to add to that, maybe, Michael? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, and we can so we can start with whatever. With whatever talking point um, you guys would be interested in. Oh yeah, no, I've said. Oh, I mean, I've uh, well, since I, you've kind of laid your, um, you know, stance or your, you know, your thoughts down or whatever. Uh, you want to, yeah. You want to, you want to let Peyton go ahead and kind of lay down our side, kind of what we believe and what we kind of feel. <laughs> yeah, and then we can jump. Yeah, in. yeah, absolutely, definitely. Cool. So, um, I'll do sort of the same format. Um, cause I understand exactly what you're saying on a lot of those, on all those points. I think for us, the belief is more that, um, people are inherently flawed. Um, and that capitalism is at its root about, uh, you know, free market, individual, private property. I mean, I think if you want two words to define capitalism, you look at a free and fair market and then um, private ownership, private property. So, um, you know, that that's basically the tenets that I believe in about capitalism. Um, and I think that people are inherently flawed in any system that you have. Um, but uh, if you have a unadulterated market and you have people as individuals controlling their own uh, profitability, then uh, then you end up in a good place, ultimately, compared to um, a lot of the other known modes of um, sort of economics, right? Um, and so obviously there's pros and cons to that, and um, I think you hit on a lot of great things, actually, that I probably don't necessarily 100% disagree with, but um, uh, I think that's kind of, it's at least where I kind of stand on it. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I agree, you know, with that. And to kind of add on to that or whatever as far as, I mean, I think that for us, um, individualism and ownership, not not just material ownership, but just ownership of oneself is very important to us. And so I think that, you know, um, you know, capitalism kind of is... Um, is kind of the economic system in which you can climb and work and like work at something to provide something um, that people want and or need. Um, and then as long, I mean, and then as far as um, it, it is kind of like what you were saying, as far as like constantly consumes resources. I mean, yeah, that's definitely true. But at the same time, um, um, you know, I, I can see where you're coming from. Again, like what pains I mean, I can, I mean, I can, I can definitely see that perspective as far as like uh, affecting someone's well-being because it's a constant, you know. And so, like you said, there's there's no break. But at the same time, you know, it's kind of like, especially if you have a a product or a um, su a supply that you know people need, then like you know, you you can you can provide that for someone, and then you know, obviously, you can grow from that, and then. Um, you know, it, it, it's, and, and again, you, you, you own that and, you know, it's, it's yours, it's your, you know, um, it's your product that you've created and built up. And so I think that, and also I'm a big proponent of freedom. Um, freedom is very important to me. And so I feel like, um, you know, as far as, as far as, you know, in a capitalist society, um, or in a capitalist economic system, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you have the freedom to, um, work with and use what you have to, you know, provide whatever service or good that you're, um, providing. So that, and that kind of to add a little bit onto that. So that's kind of why it's, I relate to it. I like, you know, we, we kind of stand on that. We, you know, like that side of it. So, <clears throat> Um, so I guess before we get into like the argument, like the, the big talking points, okay. I guess we should do some sort of like context as to why that we're even having this conversation at all. Oh, take it away. <laughs> um, I mean, the only reason why, like, you know, this is a big talking point these days is because, you know, I would say honestly under Trump. Uh, the the divide became very clear, especially in conservative middle in like mainstream media. Like you know, if you were if you were a socialist or you had any views like that, you were anti-American. Granted, Brandon and I are not socialists, um, <laughs> but anything that's like against capitalism is regarded as anti-American. Which I don't see how capitalism has become the identity of America, but it, it has. And you know, all of this has been renewed. Um, you know, it's gone full circle in about 140 years. You know, Karl Marx was writing about the issues of capitalism back in the 1860s and 70s, uh, raised the issues with, like, granted, a lot of the things that he had problems with then have been changed. Um, you know, child labor is not really a thing in the United States or, like, Western Europe uh, when, when he was writing his stuff. Um, but I mean, but, but it, there, but I was, and I, sorry, I was going to say that and there's a reason for, there's a reason why child labor laws and such and other harsh labor laws were changed. Yeah. Because of the actions and 
of, of labor unions. Of oh, that would eventually. Sorry, yeah. didn't mean to. No, no, it's fine. Uh, I mean, granted, there is still child labor, just not like what we consider to be like developed countries. You got things in Africa where you know children are exploited for for very small wages, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but for the most part, Karl Marx's questions that he raised was eventually answered. Um, but unfortunately for Karl Marx, the Russian Revolution happened, um, and subsequently the the uh, the Stalin taking over and essentially ruining everything that Karl Marx um, really stood for. Uh, Stalin turning it into more like a totalitarian dictatorship, just mm-hmm. using the teachings of Karl Marx as a way to kind of like rope people in. Uh, Mao did the same thing. Uh, so then during the Cold War, Americans or American media equated all socialism uh, and communism to these totalitarian dictatorships that you would see in the USSR and China. And that really hasn't gone away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Red Scare, even though our, our parents lived it, you know, we, we deal with the after echoes of our parents' generations essentially instilling it in us to uh, hate the Chinese and the Russians, anything they stood for um, in the past, like communism and socialism. So like, there's a, there's a, there's a deep philosophical question involved with this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, goes way back. Um, and so, yeah, like, I think that sets up a pretty good context as to why we're even having this conversation at all. Because, I mean, I would, I, I would think that all of us would agree that we really didn't hear too much about socialism and, or communism versus capitalism until, I would say, like, Trump. Because I don't remember a lot being talked about with Barack Obama when he was in office. Obamacare was a point of stressor, but I think you're right. I think a big thing to kind of, because um, I think, you know, the word, kind of what you were saying, the word socialism was kind of like a dirty word at one point, you know, kind of like in America. I mean, for, not not all around, of course, but not labeling yeah, okay. everybody, yeah, but it kind of was okay. for the most part. Huh? Um, and I think that uh, as far as the Trump and everything, like, I think when Bernie Sanders come along is really when it come up big with... That's right. That's true. That's With exactly our right. generation yeah. and our, you know, college kids and the younger generation coming up, you know, that's, I think that's when it kind of, the conversation came up even really big as far as in America, you know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I miss but, that. But, I miss that. Course, that element. That's my fault. Yeah, but, and, and, but of course, I've always been socialist in the United States. Oh, yeah. The Socialist Party was huge in the 1930s, mm-hmm. 1940s. And... Communism was really big in Russia or uh, in, uh, in Europe as a whole before the Russian Revolution even started. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of European countries were, were realizing, okay, we got some problems here with how our economics work. Um, and capitalism, to me, that changed, uh, which all of us in here agree, there does need to be more change in capitalism. Um, but yeah, uh, some stuff changed around the fifties for sure. After World War II, a lot, a lot of laws and stuff were written in essentially. A lot of civil rights things came about. You're talking about specifically about America with industrialization and all that. A lot, a lot of yeah, a lot of that. I was going to go. I was going to. I was going to go back to like the monopolies and stuff in the early 20th century. That was a big, big horn blow uh, for like um, for the uh, essentially more government control of corporations in the United States, and it's it, it's pretty much stayed that way uh, since since Theodore Roosevelt made it up. Uh, the trust busting and stuff. But now, for some reason, 
you know, we were fine with it then. You fast forward a hundred years. Uh, any 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 sort of government interference with corporations is considered to be socialism, linked to the Red Scare, and like everyone that knows you, you know, just starts to look at you in a weird way when you. Yeah, I I think that the the term socialism is just I mean it's pretty much just been completely evacuated of any meaningful content anymore. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not sure I'm not even so sure that even like I mean obviously it, it comes up in into debate often because. You know, I just don't think that the the rudimentary definition that people like Marx and Engels were actually advocating for is actually even discussed anymore. It's always well, socialist socialism means such as a heavy-handed state control, and there's very little discussion of the main tenets, uh, which is worker control of the means of production. Yeah, which is the core, which is the core tenet of, of, of socialism. Well, and on that, a lot of people don't seem to realize that you can have capitalism still have heavy government control. There actually is a term. Right, and there is a... And, and, go ahead. I, I would say there's a big difference between government regulation, um, government control in, in a regulatory sense, and government uh, running and, uh, and uh, sort of government owning the resources of production. Well, now, well now are, are you referring to the, the definition of capitalism? <laughs> or, I'm sorry, socialism? Right. So I would I would say that that it doesn't. Although a state apparatus would definitely be something uh, that socialism would uh, that would be included with socialism. I don't necessarily think that it's it's just the government owning right the, uh, the means of production. It is it would actually be workers themselves. So you could liken. I mean, you you guys have heard of like cooperative like workplaces, right? Yeah, I was just. I agree. We actually, I want to dive into that. If you want to keep going, I just want to say that I was pointing out that regulation and ownership are, are with comes to the government are different because people get scared of. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, exactly. Yeah. There, there are, there are, there are unique. Um, there are some countries who who have unique situations where they'll they'll own, like Germany, for instance. I think Volks, uh, the government of Germany owns like twenty percent of Volkswagen. Um, and, and stuff like that. So it is it's definitely on a, it's a spectrum of government regulation and, that, and, and government and, ownership. And which is why what Payne pointed out is like, is perfect for why there is a spectrum for a, right. essentially an anarcho system versus a state run system. Like you can have anarcho capitalism, but you can also have state capitalism or you can have anarcho socialism or well, you can have state run socialism. Well, I would, I would say that anarcho capitalism is not possible. You don't think anarcho capitalism is not possible? Well, I mean, like in theory you could have it. Well, no, I don't even think in theory it would because essentially, anarcho-capitalism is the idea that capitalism can exist without a state, and oh, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and that's that's and that's a that's a, another path. That, yeah, that's, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, that's a whole So, yeah. but I mean, like in theory, though, like you can, like, people seem to think that you can have it. Because oh yeah, yeah. I mean, people will definitely anarcho-capitalists do exist. I'll argue for that point. Yeah, they'll go until they're blue in the face. But, but you can have a government-run system of any kind. You can have a state socialism. Say socialist oh, sure, sure. system, you have an anarcho socialist. Anyways, yeah. so yeah, for what Hayden's talking about, right? Mm -hmm. And so your cooperative point, though, I, I mean, mm -hmm. how do you feel like that fits into the definition of socialism? But then also, how does that? I mean, can you not have cooperative businesses inside of a capitalist um, economic system? You absolutely can, and we have plenty um, in, right. in the United States, mostly like on the West Coast. Um, 
But uh, the, yeah, and there, um, you have companies like the Madridon in Spain, which is I think the world's biggest cooperative, a multi-billion dollar uh, company. To, the, to answer your question, Peyton, um, the way, you know, not necessarily defending socialism here, but is, is how, from how I understand it, what you're doing is essentially democratizing the workplace. So if we look at the way the system is structured right now, like any sort of like corporate uh, entity, you have a very hierarchical, rigid structure of CEOs, managers, and workers. And it follows, you know, investors, don't forget investors. Oh, right. And you need board members and stuff like yeah. that. That's true. Correct. Um, and they, and they all follow pretty normal like scripts, you know, the boss gives orders to the managers, the managers give orders to the workers and the workers carry out those things. Um, well, you know, essentially in order to survive, but, um, what is, what is unique about, I guess, what separates, I guess, socialist socialism versus capitalism is that in socialism, the, uh, Marx uses the term bourgeois or like the rule. It's essentially the capitalist class. Right. Um, well, yeah. Right. And, and essentially what you, you're, you're doing is you're replacing, uh, like CEOs and board members with, uh, democratized, um, uh, worker owners, so to speak. So, so the workplace becomes, uh, it becomes more interactive to people essentially. And they are better able to make decisions that affect their well-being at, at the thing they do most waking hours of the week, mm -hmm. which is work. And this, this in turn tends to, um, tends to promote a lot of like, like diversity and like diversity of thought. Um, uh, this was, this was very, uh, God, what's that book? God, there's a book. It's on, it's on trade unions. It's, it's by Franz Elsbieter Wolf. That's the author. I can't remember the name. It does does a really good job of explaining how, um, uh, how how trade unions were very active in politics and how they were very informed. Like most of their members are very informed because of that. Because of that, um, so it's a big deal. Um, and so that's essentially that's essentially the power dynamic changes essentially mm -hmm. when you go from capitalism to socialism. It, it becomes a top, it becomes a bottom up approach rather than a top down kind of I would say authoritarian structure um, where you have more creative freedom uh, at, at the workplace and more control over your own, own life. And that is, and that is I think concomitant. I think you and I we can all agree. You know, you mentioned freedom earlier, mm -hmm. um, the, the freedom to make decisions that affect uh, your day-to-day -day activities at work would be would be really big for proponents of freedom, I would assume. So that's um, for sure. That would essentially be the, the, the difference there. Sorry for the long-winded explanation. No, 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 it was great. It was great. Yeah, no, that, that's perfect. Um, so in your, like, like if you could have your own utopia, would it be like... Um, mm -hmm. Would all companies be that way, the, the cooperative style? Uh, well, I guess first, first I, I guess I don't believe in utopias. <laughs> well, right, right, right. I'm just saying, yeah. yeah I know yeah. what you mean. Like ideal world, I guess. Is what... Yeah, well, yeah, I guess. So in, like what would yeah, be that, I mean, the yeah. ideal economic system? Not necessarily, you know, I, I mean, from what I can tell talking to you, not obviously not full like, 
communism, tyrannical hierarchy, hierarchy, but also well, not like you know straight like a well also anarchy uh, capitalist. Would you say anarchy capitalist or whatever? Anarcho capitalist. Anarcho capitalist. Right. So like, where kind of what, what kind of are we getting visuals? Matches. All right. Hey, yeah, let's see if we can get. Let's see if we can. Uh, so yeah. I get the there we go. That's right. cool. Yeah, no, that's great. No, that's great. That makes life so much easier. Um, but anyway, so like, what's kind of like your uh, approach of like, you know, if, if well, not, like you said, not really utopia, but like, what's your idea of like the good, um, yeah, economic system that you would like to implement? You know? Not even that. Necessarily. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so <laughs> I think yeah, I know Michael agrees agrees with this. Um, yeah, that's fine. Um, so I would say something like uh, a resource. Based economy. Uh, can you can you yeah. explain for people who may not know? Can you kind of explain what a resource based economy is? Absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, when, you know, you don't have to go on a thirty minute monologue, but I mean, <laughs> oh, no, no, I, I can give a brief. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's essentially a system where um, where we've acquired where we're essentially in a time where we can acquire so many goods because we're so technologically advanced. Um, that all that we can essentially meet our, our basic needs with the resources that we have. So it would essentially mean an end to uh, the monetary system as we know it, uh, bartering. Um, uh, it's a system that places heavy emphasis on stabilizing uh, not only the socioeconomic activities of humans, but uh, an, an extensive importance on keeping the environment uh, as safe as, as possible. And the, I guess the central tenet is keeping homeostasis with, you know, us and the, and the earth essentially, uh, by meeting, by meeting everyone. And, and ideally you, this would meet everyone's needs because you would be meeting the, the needs first. And then, you know, once that's, I mean, you can't, everything's going to have a limit. And this, and I mean, that's, that's a good, that's a good jumping off point that we can also go into as well. Is, is meeting human need. Yeah. Okay. So at that at that point, there wouldn't be really there really wouldn't be any kind of like currency, right? It would just be kind of humans all kind of working and doing what they provide for one another, just to as a as a humanity, you know, kind of a huge community, all just helping working with each other. Yeah. Essentially, right. like yeah. you can go and get whatever you want and just walk home with it. Like, is it like there's so much of whatever it is that you want? It doesn't really matter how much you take. Now, like within reason, like if you're you're not gonna walk home with stuff that you know that if you get too much of it's gonna spoil because you're not gonna eat all that. But so I mean, within and we're not and we I mean we're not necessarily trying to like uh, detail out an entire map of like this this system, right? Um, sure. Um, but I mean, we can we can you know take different different axiomatic like jumping points yeah. if we if we want. So in, in a free in a resource based economy is that what you said? Yeah. So in a resource based economy, how is everything a common? Is everyone have the same access to everything, or oh yeah, or uh, is, is yeah? There... So one of one of the one of the other tenets of, of resource based economy is like an is also an open source economy. So the the sharing of information and and this I mean. And, you know, as I'm saying this, I can make some kind of some comparisons and some contrasts between, say, capitalism and, and say, resource-based economies. 
so in, in capitalism, it, it seems to be that um, uh, it seems to generate artificial scarcity quite well. So if you look back, like historically speaking, uh, you had like the agrarian society to begin with, right? If we start from there, really. Um, and there you were meeting there you were meeting the needs of humans, right? Mm -hmm. So th those systems are understandable. It's not until you get to, to capitalism, or I guess you know, mercantile capitalism in the various forms, uh, you know, before it, before where we are today, um, and uh, and I think the biggest difference is instead of capitalism kind of flipped that flipped that on its head, and instead of meeting just the basic needs of humans, has to create artificial demand essentially. Mm. Um, hence the it's the fervor for the, uh, the iPhone 10 or the newest uh, Lamborghini. Mm -hmm. it, it generates. Um, well, is it is it reactive or is it proactive though? Is the is the thing is the question there? And is is people's perception uh, is is it their own or is it not? Because is the iPhone 10, you know, is it the people that want something like that or is it that the company makes it and then you have to get it? You know what I mean? So it, it that I feel like that would depend on which one comes first. Well, I I think that there is a road there is a robust uh, field of study in psychology just specifically for like advertisements mm -hmm. uh, that, that oh. studies that studies people's because um, I mean that's essentially what advertising advertisement does in in my mind it 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 tries to exploit I think the most basic part of like humanity for profit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, there's definitely a psychology behind it because I mean, like, even the colors on a TV commercial, the colors that they use are made to make you feel a certain way, whatever they're sure. presenting. So, like, no, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming. There's a huge just like area, and like when they create those advertisements and stuff, that's the idea of it, right? Continue. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I actually, I actually kind of, if you don't mind, I actually don't necessarily fully agree with that point. I've actually talked to Mike about this. I think where. Yeah. Um, you know, the way to me, and of course, psychology plays a factor, but to me, you know, an advertisement is trying to mirror a culture. Um, it's not driving a, a culture or a buying behavior. It's, it's trying to mirror what exists. And of course, it, it does play a factor into how, you know, it, it does play a factor into people's buying decisions. But, um, I think you know straight up. So can can I sorry I don't mean to interrupt. Can I ask you can I ask you a question then? Yes. What what do you think? Do, what do you think influences people's? So other than having like their needs met, like basic human needs met, what do you think actually influences people to go out and purchase something? If it's if it's not advertisement, and and they already have their basic needs met, what? Other than that, requires someone to go out and purchase, say, like an iPhone 10 when a Galaxy J2 is much cheaper. And well, you're no, that's a, that's a great, exactly right. There's nothing um, necessarily tangible that would require them to, but it does rely on uh, individuals' perception of happiness and achievement and success. Um, an individual. Right may feel happier with something and if someone's able to provide that for them um then that's actually creating a better world because people are happier with with what they're able to do 
that's the way that I, I would see that. What about the people that are only doing it because they want to be like that person that wants to be happy? Yeah, dude, that's, and that's a great, that is, that is the pitfall um, of an individual. But I don't know if the entire system is to blame for that. So I think I mean to kind of bounce off of that. No, 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 no. To kind of bounce off. You just want to recharacterize recharacterize your your thesis there. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sure. Um, Yeah. No. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. No. Well, I. I, The you know. My brain. My brain hurts. I'm not saying that there's not gonna uh, you know there's gonna be people who see someone go oh I want to be like that. and, and they do it just because of that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't make, doesn't make them happier because I know for me, like mm-hmm. I've bought stuff, um, that's silly. Like I'm trying to think of a, of a good example. Like I bought shoes before cause I saw someone else wearing them and I'm like, I like yeah, this. Yeah. I want to be like that guy. I bought a jacket. I was a celebrity. It's a similar style. Right. And it's just be like, right. am I, you know, psychologically messed up because of that? No, but it, you know, I live in a no, you're, world so where you're conditioned. Something. You're you're conditioned to do that as as a human being. You are conditioned to want to be like that person that you saw because human nature dictates that we group together, and when we, when we are not of that group, we feel ousted and we feel lonely. And because humans are our nature is to be social, so sure. when we are not able to be social, we try we try to find ways sometimes in incredibly weird ways to be accepted by whatever group. Right. Um, so the question though it falls back on, is that a fault of a system, of, system yes. of advertising yeah. or is that, absolutely? is that going to exist, exist no matter what happens? Well, so it is to blame because you're essentially, you, you essentially admit then that it, and it is clever. Don't get me wrong. I do think this is incredibly clever, but capitalism has actually taken advantage of, and the only system we know of so far to have done so, uh, that desire to be in a group. And it is clever, but morally reprehensible because you're essentially making humans do something that they really can't get away from. They have to but, fit in the group. But, but it's, no, it's, but that's not true. It's, it's a socio-biological phenom. Like we... That's essentially how we, we identify identify ourselves is through a group. It's kind of almost one of those things that have been kind of evolutionarily adapted. And if you're not with the group, you us. die. It's like right. Exactly. exactly. So, well, anyways, Peyton, go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't know necessarily though. Um, how I, I jive with? I mean, I'm not disagreeing with that, but as as far as if I'm making a decision to purchase something. I'm not being driven to do that by advertising. I'm doing that out of my own free will. And maybe you're trying to say that it doesn't exist that way. But if I'm making a proactive choice to do something that I think is going to make me happier, regardless of it's because of a biological feature, is that not a positive to a system that allows that to happen if it makes you happier? Now, well, or, or is- for, some, for for some people, for some people, yeah, right. For the people that aren't like striving to be in a group and they just simply want something to be happy, yeah. But not every average, not every person that watches an advertisement is necessarily getting it to be happy because of they're doing it because they they're going to be fitting in with the person, 
or with the group that whoever owns an iPhone 10 is that a bad thing? Accept them is as that someone a, that has an iPhone 10. If you don't a, have an iPhone 10, you live under a rock and you're going to get bullied and essentially driven under a rock. The question is, though, um, is that a bad thing? Do you? Yes, absolutely. If you if you have if you have a system that essentially subconscious really uh, forces you to get something, coerces you into getting something that you feel like you need to have. See, to be in a group. I is, always agree with you until you get to force and coerce. <laughs> well, well, let's put a, let's, can we can we put a pin in the coercion thing for just a second? Because that's sure. it's a it's a good talking point. Okay. But I was gonna say, um, thank you for stopping us. No, no, it's okay. Um, <laughs> I always say something that Sean can say. Uh, Did you want to go back to advertising? Market? Yeah. So, I just I just wanted to. I, did, I mean, I was just gonna say that. I mean, if you're if you're doing something that is like essentially biologically programmed into you, I mean, there isn't really well, one. There's no free will. Um, <laughs> I know what you're saying, but that just blew my mind. It's it's also well. So I think what I was going to kind of one off uh, Michael on was I was going to kind of talk about like the class issues inherent in capitalism. Uh, and it's, it's connected to the advertisement stuff that we were essentially okay. talking to, yeah, talking ahead. about. But yeah. but it, but you know, because I mean, because essentially what what you're saying is, and it's not like everyone can afford these luxuries in the current system that we have. That's what I think. That's, that's what, the ethical problem. That's yeah, that, and that's I think ethical problem because essentially what kind of going off what Michael was saying earlier, um, you have a class of people that are able to purchase certain things. And because of that purchasing power, are able to derive like value culturally to themselves. The problem with that is that it completely um, uh, dejects everyone else or rejects everyone else who's in a different class. Essentially, what you're doing is you're saying that I have, I have the, uh, I have the ability to acquire this thing, and I'm better off for it. And you can't, and so you're not. It's, yeah. it's essentially how it's it's kind of it's a there's a, a term coined by Johan Galton, guy named Johan Galton. It's called cultural violence. Um, it's and you can kind of uh, almost a derivatization of of, of um, structural violence. So me and Micah, we look at capitalism as as a system structurally, um, and we think that. The institutions inherent in capitalism are actually, uh, are what drives the, I guess, the negative outcomes and the negative externalities that essentially accompany um, capitalism as a as a system. And I think that might be one of, you know, that might be one of our differences in our presuppositions is that we take more of a, a systemic uh, view of things, whereas you guys might take more of a uh, individualist. Yeah. Uh, view of things the only right. reason we don't take you know and and in, we we do believe in, in individualism to a degree because that you know that exists like most things on some sort of spectrum um but uh but we we are we think that we are better able to put into context why things happen a certain way like for instance for example the effect that uh, income inequality or socioeconomic inequality, to better put it, uh, how 
uh, different socioeconomic factors can determine a country's or a nation's uh, future, for instance. So um, if you look at, uh, and there's a the book, the book was called, um, oh God, it was written by these two academics and they did it, it was a broad study, it was called The Spirit Level, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why more unequal countries have worse outcomes? And in it, they list a slew of different uh, of different factors and found out essentially that the more unequal a country was, socioeconomically speaking, the worse off things like healthcare outcomes were, uh, premature uh, like birth deaths, um, and just just a myriad. Of, I mean, overall, like happiness, like worker happiness, like a bunch of different factors. Um, and so that's kind of why we it it, it better. It, uh, it, I think I feel like it better equips us to understand what's going on in in the in the system in the grand scheme of things instead of trying to pick out I guess kind of re- reductionist individual um, like I guess anecdotes and trying to apply that to the entire system because that's mm-hmm. well, I, I feel like that's a little bit of a flawed a flawed view to take. Okay. Um, you that mentioned that was a lot. I'm, I'm sorry, I spoke too long. No, no, it's fine. I mean, whatever, dude. Whatever's on your brain. That we're really open, and we're really just like we're open to just absorb and just like you know learn where you're coming from. So I don't care, man. I mean, you can talk for ten minutes straight. It's whatever. But you mentioned something right. earlier about luxuries, about socioeconomic luxuries. What kind of luxuries? You mean like cars or material so things? Right. Is that what you mean? Uh socioeconomic luxuries. Well, you said you it's said like you. Yeah, like you when you were talking about like I can afford this, but you can't. You're talking about luxuries, kind of evening out the luxuries. What kind of luxuries were you talking about? Uh, I mean, I mean, it can, it can be anything, anything that's like anything culturally relevant. Um, the ability, I mean, the ability to, to purchase things in general. Okay, it's um, all right. Is, is, so can is we kind of? Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just like, can, can we kind of go back and just kind of briefly go over as far as where. <clears throat> Again, I see where you're coming from as far as the... I'm going to bring this back around. I see where you come from as far as the resource-based economy and everything like that. I get it. Um, But at the same time, that is like... That's assuming that all humans are going to be all in this together. Okay? Oh, sure. That is a fantastic point. And and that would be amazing. Who would love that? I mean, that just sounds awesome. Of course it sounds awesome. But you can't just assume that for everybody you can't just assume we're all going to get in this together and so basically kind of what you're saying as far as you know to um you know back how money even came about in the first place is that like basically to kind of dumb it down which you guys can probably explain it better than me but like all right so i i grow corn on my field payton he grows apples okay so he he has you know i want some apples so I, you know, the- theoretically, we would trade, and I'd give him corn, and he would give me apples. Okay. Yes. But uh, the problem is, is that like, what if I hate? What if I hate apples? What if I hate apples? I don't want apples. Well, he wants corn. Well, basically, I give him corn, but what do I get out of it? Now I could. Well, now I could I'm obviously have a good heart and be like, hey, I'm just going to do this for you. But the problem is, is that like I just keep giving him corn, and I'm put all this work in and I'm you know and it's like you know that that's the problem so basically he hands me like an IOU card and basically right. that IOU is like you know whatever and then you just basically you snowball it down into we made currency we made money 
right? Because basically that's that exchange. So if I want to buy an apple, I give you whatever apples cost, 89 cents for an apple. And so I give you the 89 cents and you can do with that whatever you want to. If you like oranges and not, you know, apples or whatever, you can spend that on an orange instead of having to find somebody that has, you know, what you're looking for and then try to do a trade. It's like, okay, we're going to use this material thing is basically like an exchange. So that's where money came from in the beginning. So as far as like, like just in, in general. So the, the, the only problem is, again, is like with the resource-based economy is that like, um, <clears throat> you can't, someone, you, someone you, somewhere, you, like, how do you let, what was that? Is it, are you, are you trying to ask, how, how do you determine the value of someone's work? Right. Like, how do you determine the value? Like, I want to build a house. So these people should build me a house because I need a house, but I can't give them an equivalent, like, like labor back to them right. for building me this house. Right. Yeah. And even if I, could if my specialty was I don't know anything um then and they didn't want that specialty then like how do we how do we trade off right and so that's kind of where money plays in because like all right I want to build a house here's money you can do with it and get what you please or whatever you need it for you know your own house or whatever and then in exchange I got a house built for me right so like as far as that's what's kind of confusing to me as far as the resource based economy it's like how do you how do you value the work and the what you provide and whatever oh, I want to ask this question Steve. Okay. Uh, if the house is made entirely by robots would that be a problem? If it was made by robots would that be a problem? That's a wild question. <laughs> why why would it be? Why was that? Because we would have to be so technologically advanced to do this. The option of having an AI robot to build the house for you is incredibly possible. Right. Okay. That's fair. But like someone has to build the robot. Right. So, so does that person get anything out of it? Or they're just, I mean, they're, they love to build robots, but I mean, the, 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 the idea. So really, this is contingent on really one like key thing and that's the material conditions of the time that's how any economic system develops period is based off of the material resources available to do stuff with essentially right um the material conditions and you asked earlier Peyton um not every you said not everyone's going to agree with the system yeah. you're right for something like a resource-based economy to happen conditions would have to become so abysmal that, <laughs> that people are essentially forced to change into this yeah uh, and and so with that you know that, that opens up another door to another problem and that's essentially the the negative externalities that that capitalism produces mm -hmm. and that's so so do you think, I think we can agree that because of those externalities it forces humans and just ecological systems in general to uh uh, to experience some pretty harsh, uh, some pretty harsh results. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we can and we so, can talk about that a little bit too if you want. So, do you, sure. Um, do you think that? <laughs> do you think that um, that in capital capitalism is dr driving society, our our world economics into a market based economy, or do you believe that from the jump? Uh, I'm sorry, resource based economy. 
Or do you believe that from the jump, that should have been the economic system that we've employed across time? Or neither? Oh, well, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. I mean, uh, of course, I, I mean, I think we can both agree that if a resource-based economy were practical 1,000, 2,000 years ago, if it were developed, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, yeah, I would, I would love to have I've seen that. Essentially, you have to have it to where you have essentially seemingly infinite energy. Um, and like, right. so, <laughs> because I, I think well, it, doesn't even, it doesn't even, I don't think it have to be necessarily infinite energy. Well, it, it just, it a just, lot of energy. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that, that would be the goal is to, is to create new sources of energy that would be more sustainable. Mm -hmm. Because I think one of the, I think one of the primary, um, benefits of capitalism, I think one of the, the great things about it when it's stripped down to, um, Obviously, now we have a society that's complicated and we have a lot of stuff going on. But if you just look down at the very basic level of, and we talk about individualism versus um, systematics things but and institutions, but um, when there are no institutions and we just have people, um, you know, when does your, what is your labor cost? What is your, how does your labor infused with, um, objects common goods right common things that we all have access to and then we put our infuse our labor into it how does that become ours and i think one of the great things is that you can on a basic level that's how that is a very healthy thing for whenever um you know i think john locke actually was one of the things like you know if you're picking berries at what point does it become yours when you eat them when you pick them like at what point are you not stealing from the group or whatever, right? And it's yours. And I think capitalism does a great job at saying, when you've infused your labor, it is yours to do with, um, within reason, uh, I think morally, but I mean, but in practice, what, what you want. So I think the, that's a direct opposition of the, the true resource-based economy, because you're essentially saying we all have, um, we all, we all have a share in the resources of the world. Right. There's enough, but there's yeah. enough resources to share. Like, it's not like you go to a marketplace and, you know, I get that. doesn't want his apples, but he wants his oranges and, you know, there's no oranges left. Now there's going to be a ton of oranges and a ton of apples and anyone can just come and scoop up whatever they want and leave and be fine because there's going to be such a surplus of whatever resource, uh, like you need to survive with, there really wouldn't be much of a, a fight over it. And there wouldn't really be much of a debate on, I see your hands here. Uh, there really wouldn't be much of a debate on uh, um, who owns what, because everything is so easy to get. Right. And that's, that's what I'm saying though, in, in the world we live in where that's not the case. Yeah. You kind of you do need something to help define that. And I think on a basic level, that's a perfectly moral stance. Well, now, if if we're looking at from a historical perspective, if you look at a concept like colonialism, right, which is very much tethered into the capitalist system, um, you mentioned John Locke earlier. Um, things, you know, the way societies have developed are pretty brutal. Nations are formed from from wars and. And, and conquering and genocide people, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, so, so, so I, I would actually, I would actually kind of, you know, punch back a little bit and say that, you know, capitalism uh, does a, I think a 
pretty bad job just from a prescriptive on a prescriptive level uh at at determining you know the boundaries of what's mine and and what's and what's yours because in order for cat because you know you and I know that in order to for capitalism to exist, a state has to exist. Mm-hmm. states do really good jobs at in order to form a state, you have to form it you know historically speaking it's been unfortunately through war. Wow. I, don't, I actually think that, that capitalism does a pretty bad job of of, uh, of promoting that sort of uh, that's one of the fundamental tenets of capitalism though is that if you don't jump on if you don't jump on opportunity, if you don't compete, then you're going to be worse than poor. Mm. Uh, it's, it is unfortunate. Well, well, Mike, well, like, if you that, don't work, you don't eat. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that is the case for some people. They don't deserve it. Uh, but like, but like, for some countries, I don't know, like Africa, which is a great example of clo- how colonialism has destroyed it. Um, you know, you have people there that literally, you know, we, I mean, we extreme poverty and all that stuff. Um, that has essentially been caused by capitalism because you're sending companies. I, I think, ooh. I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off. Keep going. Uh, I just heard the ooh, and I was like, oh, no. Well, um, he was saying that. Yeah, he was saying that. You, yeah, if you, you have something to add on, go ahead. I, 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 I want to say, yeah, right. I, I want to say, you know, I, I understand that, but I don't know if that's essentially what, what people are going around colonizing, being like in the name of capitalism. And I, I think, oh, no. and I think no. it's a dangerous it's a dangerous assumption to think that that's capitalism causing causing that when, well, I mean, Sage met in Bible study, so I'm assuming we're all Christians here. Um, <laughs> I, 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 oh, okay. Uh, well, but we did meet at a Bible study. That's awesome. Um, but um, Convert. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say, that's amazing. I'll just say, because that's the same argument, though, that people have about the Crusades and Christianity. Well, look at all these horrible things that happened. It's like, is that that, though, you know? Well, so if you, so one of the critiques, so, okay, so it, this is one of the things that Karl Marx talked about, one of his, one of his, like, he had a whole chapter on it. Um, Initially, capitalism was about the development of a product, using money to make a product. Um, He called it the CMC to MCM comparison. Um, The one that capitalism has unfortunately turned into is making money to make more money, the MCM uh, diagram. So essentially you have a ton of money. You use that money to make a product and then you sell that product. Essentially it can almost be the exact same product, but you do just enough to then resell that product for more money. So essentially he was saying was if you're not making money and as much as you can, then you're not a true capitalist. Now, if you disagree with that tenant, then, you know, I guess it's possible that you could and, and still be a capitalist. I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. I think the whole goal of capital is of capitalism is to accrue as much capital as you possibly can. So the encouragement of colonizing countries to essentially pay their workers less, much less, to maximize profits is encouraged by the capitalist doctrine. <clears throat> and like, I mean, you can you can see it. You know, if you go to the clothing store. I mean, if all Americans, if 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 clothing went through the process in America, like, you know, everything was made in America, clothing would be worth like five, six times more than what we're selling it for because Americans ask for more money. But the reason why we get away with it here is because we get a lot of our stuff from overseas and we can charge them a lot less. Mm-hmm. And this is anecdotal. When I was working with Comcast, 
I was talking to one of my co- uh, coworkers. He's in the Philippines. My half, um, I worked half, um, half, half the time, part time. I made more money in a week than he made an entire year. Um, but that was like all he really had to choose from. Really, like it was out of that, or just like, a, like you know, joining a gang and going through like a bunch of illegal activity. Or something. Right. Okay. The idea that, but the idea that capitalism is just like it, it almost it's almost encouraging businesses to move over to other countries and completely just well, destroy the resources there. Okay. So. And, go ahead. I was just saying. So, so you think from the beginning that's what capitalism was was made to do? Period was to just basically play the system as hard as you could to keep as much wealth as you could. I, I think I think there were there were different iterations of capitalism. Mm-hmm. That okay, or is is that, that really that, the, is that really the capitalist again? Is that really the capitalist cap, capitalist system economic system, or is that the individuals running it? Uh, I would say it's. A, I would say that it may not have been how it started, but it's how it's ended up. Okay. Now majority... again, now let's wrap that back around. Now, if we start, you know, let's say he, he uh, uh, Brandon mentioned earlier, as far as CEOs, managers, laborers, you know, whatever. Um, if we started pulling some of the money, I mean, basically forcefully pulling some of the money from the CEOs to spread it throughout the organization. Don't you think that even the managers and laborers, don't you think at some point they'd be like, uh, you know, they'd get a little bit greedy themselves and say, look, I just, I need more. I want more. I mean, I don't see why I can't just have more. Don't you think it can be flipped? Because I mean, I mean, when it comes down to like, basically, I mean, basically if you're at the, if you're, I mean, obviously I want a good lifestyle and I want to get paid for everybody. Of course, who doesn't want that? I mean, that's awesome. But I mean, like, um, if you're going from bottom up, it's kind of like, okay, what can now the laborers are like, all right, what else can you do for me? How much more can you do for me? Right. And again, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that's every person I'm saying that can create a greedy attitude, even from the bottom. So now the same sure. greedy attitude you're talking about from the CEOs is now down here with well, the laborers well, because they're well, like, well, all right, I see the company being so successful. Why can't I get more? You know? So, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. So, um, uh, CEOs, yes, you're right, can be greedy, but of course, but you can also have some very benevolent, benevolent CEOs as well. Right. And I'm not, I'm not arguing against that at all. Right. Um, to answer your question, um, you said, what if one person gets greedy? Well, in, in how we design our way out into our, you know, the next stage of economics, ideally, okay. one of, one of the additions would be a co-op. Um, and I think once you create an environment in which you have some sort of political capital where you're able to essentially vote as a worker, um, I think what ends up, what would end up developing is as a series of checks and balances. So that one worker who, who was like, who's, you know, trying to get more pay, they wouldn't have all the power to influence pay to begin with. They have a vote just like everybody else. So the... That, I guess that's one of the upshots of, of democratizing your workplace is that you get to vote as, as a group. And when instances like that happen, they get, they get checked. Ideally, they would get checked. I think, yeah, that, that actually makes perfect sense. And I actually personally don't have zero problem with that. What would be the problematic thing for yeah, me? Yeah, What would be problematic for me? If people choose to do that and people choose to work there, that sounds awesome. 
But the problem sure. thing that would be for me is if a governing body were to force owners of businesses to do that with their companies. Um, because I think then you run into a situation of um, someone's own thing that they've acquired now having to be um, sort of like the founder, democratized. Like the founder of a company, the founder of a company essentially losing that and giving it to the workers, right? Is that what you're saying? Existing well, things, yeah. You know, or if yeah. I, if I had to, you know, start if I had to start a business, but they said, hey, if you hire one person now, you gotta. I'd be like, well. Share. That, that's where it would be concerning. If I want to do that, I'm all for it. But I would be concerned if a governing body was making me. Now, let me, so, so do you, Peyton, do you think that, that, do you think that workers are like, are coerced in any way, like whatsoever? Are coerced? Like, um, do, you, do you think, uh, yeah, like, work, do you think that people are kind of like, I guess, forced to, to, to go to work, essentially? Otherwise, they die. In the sense that, um, uh, well, no, I, I don't think they are forced. But I, I do think that in the sense that um, it's the best option to exist in the, in the system, absolutely. Okay, again, kind of going back to what I was, what, well, I, what I kind of started out with as far as like individualism. And ownership of yourself. Okay, so as far as forced to go to work, okay. It depends on, obviously it depends on each individual situation. You know, whatever's going on in their life, whatever they need. Let's say that they get, you know, I don't know, they grow up in a bad neighborhood. They don't really have much, whatever. Um, they can take the action, and it's probably in their best interest to take the action to go get a job somewhere, right? And to at least start earning some kind of money, right? Now the now, and that's the thing that it takes that initiative and that um, and that want to to do that. I mean, you can sit here and say I don't have any money, I don't have any money, I don't have any whatever. But like, if you go and but if you want to acquire money, then you um, in a way, I mean, I guess it's not really forced, but there's no really other way to do it. Is like you know, if if you go get a job and you start working, even if it's like a low paying job, and you are smart with your income. You make the individual choices, you know, your own choices to be smart with your money and then work up from whatever you're trying to, wherever you started to whatever your goal is. Then like, is it forced? No. Is it in your best interest? Probably because at that point it's like, I don't have any other way to turn. You know, the best option would be like, I need to go to work. Yeah, I so, so, uh, when I say, when I say forced, I don't, I'm not necessarily saying that someone is, is pointing a gun to your head and forcing you to go. Right. Work. Right. Now, you can choose to go work at company A, B, C, or D. Right. But the, the problem that I have is that um, that that workers are coerced. Period. Like in order in this system, in order to survive, you have to essentially rent yourself out as a wage laborer. You, you don't okay. have any other choice. Okay. Um, you have to money. Money is the means by which we survive, and. If if yeah. going to a job is the only way to to make that money, then it is by definition a they call it a, it's called a Hobson's choice. It, it presents the real it presents the, essentially the illusion of choice when in actuality one choice the only choice is to in this case work right. right. But even even in a more socialist setting or even a resource based economy, you have to put in some kind of labor or work in order to contribute to the 
community, society, business, or whatever it oh, is yeah, that you're doing. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Not yeah. deny that at all. Yes. I don't think, I think those are, those can be mutually exclusive. I'm So, but yeah, that's interesting though, because we're talking about um, co-ops co uh, and you feel like workers are coerced to go to work so that the solution yeah. is to co-opt it, but that doesn't actually solve being forced to go to work. I mean that, sure. You know what I mean? So I still have, I still have the problem with a governing body forcing that onto businesses. I, I would, if that were, I mean, I'm not saying you're saying that I'm just saying that that's the well, what problem I would have with it. Yeah. And I mean, uh, as far as like trying to suck, I can, okay. Again, those, those are CO. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'll, I'm finished. I'm going to finish what I was saying. So, so you might want to move this. That might be your issue. Anyway. So no, what I'm saying is of course those C those are, those are those CEOs kind of what you're saying earlier that try to suck as much labor out of somebody for the cheapest amount possible. Yep. Yes, those people exist, and of course, those people might be. I mean, and those people love capitalism, and they are basically mm -hmm. using it to the, you know, in a uh, to me immoral way, you know, to try to, you know, uh, basically again get as much as you can for as cheap as you can. Uh, of course, morally, I don't like that, but at the same time, um, you know, you in a capitalist society, you have that option to run a business. And to pay more, to have a good work environment, to have a good work style and everything like that. And if you are in working for someone who's really treating you that bad for really bad pay, then again, you have that freedom and ownership to better yourself, to move into a different position or move into a different job or work for somebody else who would give you more raises, more of a paid for, you know, or, or uh, more benefits or whatever it is that you're searching for, better hours, whatever it is. I mean, like, you know, it can't just... You know, there has to be some kind of level of, there has to be some kind of ladder, you know. And I mean, I hate for anybody to work for a CEO or a company that's abusing them. But at the same time, if, if they're doing that to every employee at some point, if you're running your business like that, you're going to go out because you won't have anybody to to run and work on whatever good that you are providing or whatever your product is. So, like, if you're really running it that bad, then it's going to fail anyway. Well, I mean, no, and the only reason why I'm saying no is because we know, historically speaking, that companies have run themselves that way, mm -hmm. and they made so much money. Okay. Because there wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't anyone that that could have survived. Out. Okay, so let's use the prime example of the worst time and the best time of capitalism. Um, Worst being morally, best being like the best, like making money was the monopolies, the great monopolies of America. You know, you had like Carnegie, uh, Rockefeller, J.P. Morgan. Uh, you had all of these. You essentially had the railroad, all of steel, all of banking, and all of oil being controlled by four people. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you wanted to do anything in that field, if you want to do anything pertaining to that, you worked for them. And because there was no one... To give you anything else to the contrary, you had to work for them. Otherwise, you starved, your family died, and you were a terrible person for not working. Um, moving to today, 
instead of having a monopoly model, you have an oligopoly model where you have essentially three or four big companies that all work together to make sure that they own almost everything. And then the only options you have are to work for those companies. Otherwise, you starve. Um, or if you want to just blanket it, every company, uh, or like what Brandon was saying, you have to work to survive. I mean, otherwise, you just you don't, you can't make it. Um, I, I don't know if that is absolutely true. I think maybe in terms of practicality, that could eventually be the case. Um, I know right now I don't work for any of those no, companies. I mean, well, I mean, monopolies, they did run their companies that way. Mm-hmm. Right, right. They, no, they, they did completely abuse the people that yes. were under them. Yes. Uh, and today, like Amazon, like Amazon's good to work they, for. Well, yeah, they right. Like, I mean, like, was it? I think it was within the last month they they the Amazon came out and essentially said, "Yeah, we we force our drivers to pee in bottles." Yeah, I heard uh, that because they're not allowed to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like stuff, so, like stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, like stuff like that. Like corporations. Yeah, I mean, okay. yes, there are good. There are there are sweet lovable people in capitalism but i think but, hey but here's the thing the fundamental tenets and i think this might be where we disagree the mm-hmm. fundamental tenets is from what from what i've read and seen is that you try to make as much capital as you possibly can feasibly without like a government coming down on you and saying you're violating human rights um you do as much of that as you can to make as much money as you can and then you just and you don't look back I feel like that is. I feel like that's what that's what is encouraged in capitalism. Sure. Yeah, there is a good side to everything. Okay. I mean, like, well, that's, and, and, and that's and the because, thing. I mean, we of that that we we become that capitalism, I guess, has become much more like regulated. I guess on the like generally. Yeah, that's why we have regulation. But you know, right. you know, you know and that's where we were made the point at the beginning, where it was like as far as regulation and kind of ownership, as far as a top, you know, someone outside of the organization. Like maybe within the government, you know, kind of having that ownership control or whatever. That's yeah. I was just making. That slide. I Go still ahead. think there's there's counter evidence though to suggest that, of course, capitalism. I, I don't necessarily disagree that capitalism is about making profit. You know, you control your own profitability, right? But it's also yeah. about a free market. It's also about competition, and yeah. what we found in a lot of places and. Um, that you know if you treat your workers better you know and you're competitive with somebody and you have a better culture people want to work for you you pay your employees better you can offer a better service and ultimately you make money not by absolutely killing your workforce but you make money by offering a value a higher value to the end consumer so yeah it is about that but also there are features inside of it that can actually create a better society because it's to help people. Now, you go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was going to say that the, re- the reason the reason that um, made me good to discuss the, the root cause of what you just talked about, uh, which is uh, why I guess employers today choose to pay their workers more money and, and they, they treat them better, and that and that's essentially from the uh, from tire- the tireless work of millions of of laborers throughout centuries uh, of capitalism breaking their backs, sometimes getting shot to death. I'm just going to say it was the government the making violent wage a thing. Violent, <laughs> violent history of the United States. Amazing. The reason why people get paid more is because the government said, look, you got to pay them $7. But this is like, well, okay. 
but, 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 but <laughs> I can afford that. But that's and that's funny. That's, it's, it's funny, but it's true. Like the the reason that we have a minimum wage is through the tireless work of labor unions. Um, that's I think that's that's always been it's always been the case. Now you can compare labor unions of the United States versus that of, that of Europe and Scandinavian countries, and there's very uh, distinct. Yeah, we they have. Some. I think you but, can. But that's but that's there. There are historical reasons for for that being the case. Um, but but yeah, all, all of those all of the luxuries that worker working people enjoy today are a product of years of struggle and activism uh, through through labor union De- uh, activism. Definitely, but yeah, um, I mean yeah. that's definitely a factor. I think you can also contribute it though to um, you know companies valuing higher. Um, sort of higher skilled labor. I mean, I know like even Panda Express at one point had a banner on their sign saying, you know, $10 an hour starting wage, right? In, in North Carolina, it's like still seven twenty-five or whatever, right? So, um, and, 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 and corporations are all the time held accountable for social perceptions. I mean, it happened with McDonald's back in the day. They used to have the styrofoam um, case for things and it was super cheap right they made more money and then a huge uproar came about it and they were pissed off because it was unhealthy and they were causing these things and so they they had to switch right so i mean yeah i think i think people are getting or understanding they have more of a voice when it comes to what corporations are doing because now amazon's like okay you now we can't have people being in a cup now uh, when they drive <laughs> right um, so, okay so uh, and, and again to kind of relate to what you guys are saying as well as far as um uh, you know, CEOs or uh, managers, owners or whatever of even a small business, you know, I mean, you can have a small business of like 100 employees or 50 employees and still treat them like garbage. So like, um, sure. Uh, you know, it's <clears throat> actually, you know, I forgot what I was going to say. It's like, Actually, I lost what I was going to say. I will say, say, I, was gonna I, say think, I, was, I think, oh, oh God, I think Brandon, I think, I think Brandon hit earlier, though, the root, what seems to be to me of all this conversation so far, the root of the difference between a lot of these opinions is on, are these externalities, are these issues a cause of um, a capitalist system, or is it a cause of individuals inside of a system? So I, I think, I, I, sorry, is that? Were you gonna? Can we talk? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Right. So, so, you out, so, well, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say that's throwing fists out right now. No, I, 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 I thought it was right. He's throwing hands. That's I, what he I, said. I, was, I, I, I would just, I would. Me personally, I, I have to be careful uh, when it when it comes to like the actions of individuals. I, I don't think that humans exist in vacuums, and we make decisions uh, in 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 a, in a vacuum. Uh, Companies choose to pollute a uh, pollute a river that eventually leads to people's drinking water. That's not a. I don't look at that as an in, individuals may have certain individuals may have caused that, but there are also systemic issues like the intrinsic gaming theory of capitalism that that Michael was referring to earlier, and you guys were talking about, which is the incessant need to constantly compete with other companies. Uh, and, and I don't think that those necessarily end, end with the greatest outcomes. So, um, per, personally, and, and, and that's yeah, and, and that's essentially that would be hard for me to defend. It's like that. like a, a kind of like the, the idea of like that. I that think individual, that, harsh individualism. That makes a lot of sense to me. I, but 
do you think though that do you think that that would still exist if socialism or any other economic system was the primary thing throughout history do you think that those people in charge would still be doing that crap absolutely just simply yeah. because simply because you switch economic systems it does it does not mean that stuff like crime is going to stop happening uh like or, you know or like any, any any of that kind of stuff you're still going to have you're still going to have greedy people and and, and even in a resource-based economy, there's still there's going to be trying to be trying to be some greed coming up. Which is which is why right. I, I like to be realistic. And uh, when when I told you earlier, that I don't believe in utopias, right? Because right, yeah. Um, but like you know, there, there will be inevitable outcomes. Because I because I think the difference that... the difference would be that um, like for capitalism, um, it essentially cultivates the. Um, that mentality, the, the greedy mentality that you were talking about, like what Brian was saying, with you can't blame the individual, um, because we've seen this through subsequent generations, right? We've seen this, we've seen this greed. Um, I think you would see that greed, regardless. Though I think the reason you have some, I think capitalism being the primary thing throughout history, kind of doesn't help its case. Sorry about that. Well, I say it one more time. Sorry, like the how, like how capitalism perpetuates greed. It's not unique to capitalism. Is that what you said? But, or you, or it is. I mean, basically, in, in in a few words, because I think if you saw um, other types of economic systems have as much history as capitalism does in the world, and you really dive into those, I think people would still be making greedy decisions. I mean, if, whether or not it's the you know yeah. the, the leader of the Communist Party in China, it's him making all the decisions greedily. You know, what I mean, I still think it. Well, uh. I, I see your point. The only thing that I would say that's different is that capitalism, much like how we discussed with advertising, essentially capitalizes on um, the inherent greedy and selfish nature of humanity, um, or at least like that's half of humanity. There is a selfless side of humanity, but as you were pointed out, there are nice people out there. But right. I would say for the most part, the reason why there's so few of those people in charge is because capitalism essentially forces this desire to be competitive and in order to be successful, essentially, you know, step on the throat of whoever's, you know, in your way. And this, mm -hmm. this competitive mindset doesn't just extend to uh, the upper echelons of like, a company. No, it, it extends yeah. to working people themselves. Yeah. And, and this is why, yes, this is why um, we advocate for some sort of like worker control in the workplace. Um, yeah, essentially because, well, well, so like, okay, so just just going with the systemic nature of like capitalism, this need to compete essentially trumps everything else. Like, it the competition is almost it's almost a, a negative because, like how I established before with Karl Marx, essentially pointing out that capitalism the focus is on the need for money and the making of money, <laughs> essentially adding fan to that flame. Is uh, is competition, and which Brandon mentioned, you know, uh, if you have all these corporations essentially pushing you to make even worse decisions uh, to compete with them, you're going to have to do it because you want to make more capital, you want to beat out your competition. Hey guys, I'm sorry that is right where I needed to cut it off. Still thought it was a pretty good spot, um, but like I said, I apologize that I didn't get the rest of it. I will definitely provide better quality, better time better 
preparation (laughs) um, uh, software-wise to uh, the next part. Um, Thank you guys again for listening. Thank you to Micah and Brandon for coming on. And we, we are definitely looking forward to doing it again. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day.